This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Denise Crosby. I play Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I am your undertaker, Richard Marquez, and joined with me, measuring up their coffins with me is... The amazing Amy Nelson and the incredible Justin Ozer. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much, Undertaker. And yes, I will make sure that your measurements for your coffin is accurate. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine if you like if I if I couldn't fit in there, but I guess it doesn't really <laughs> matter. <laughs> well, it might. We'll have to see. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How you doing, Justin? Well, I'm wondering if I wandered into the wrong podcast. Is, is this like the Mirror Universe TNG or is it the horror version? Like what is going on? <laughs> horror on TNG. I actually kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there are some frightening things that we talked about before. But uh, no, there it's, it's, it's yeah. good to be here. You'll have to convince me, though, that I'm on the right podcast. No. <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> You're making me very afraid I'm going to die during this podcast. But anyway, um, let's continue. <laughs> I'm going to try not let, not let you die in 275, okay? Let's just say that. <laughs> or for a long so, time to come. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, thank, yeah thank you. We're on 267. So, yeah, we're, it's it's a while. Yeah. <laughs> 2,670. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, um, well, before we get into that, uh, we have able for, uh, conference feedback uh, for EG264, and that will be Troy's violations. Justin, would you like to start us? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Greg Malumbi says, you said something that really resonated with me and could really sum up the entire podcast. Don't be angry at the Star Trek writers for depicting rape on screen. Be angry that it's still going on in real life. That was such a profound statement. And in 2019, I'm glad it's talked about a lot more than it was before. Yeah. Definitely agree. And that was, it was a really great episode that you and Zach did. Thank you. And thank you, Greg, for your comment. That was my sort of mission and the whole idea and goal and purpose of that episode. So thank you so much for commenting. Kimberly Lawler says, thank you for such a thoughtful episode and for tackling this difficult subject. Sometimes I think people shy away from even talking about topics like this because they are afraid of be, being pilloried 
for saying the wrong thing, but this was very worthwhile and caused me to consider a few episodes like The Child and Man of the People in a New Light. One thought I had is there are certainly no shortage of people in Star Trek who have been mentally and physically taken over by alien beings without their consent. It is definitely a sci-fi trope. One of the most disturbing things in two instances with Troy, though, in Violations and Nemesis, is that the telepathic rape was also depicted as being physical in a way that wasn't the case in, say, Crusher or Riker's mental assaults and violations. The fact that the villains twisted Deanna's relationship with Will in each case was particularly horrifying. For all that we can come up with justifications why the subject can be explored in sci-fi, I wish they hadn't made that specific choice in either scene. Kimberly, yes, thank you. It is horrifying and, yeah, very, very twisted that they would do that when it is just a sci-fi trope of, you know, being taken over by aliens. So thank you for your comment. Yeah, thank you. Chris Trapizo said, uh, love this episode, not to echo Greg Malumbi, but yes, great statement, but angry, angry at society, not the writers. Yep. So yeah, we got some good feedback on that one, Amy. Yes, thank you. Yeah, great episode. <laughs> so as we said in the last episode, today we're going to be talking about death in TNG. So to break up the format just a little bit, uh, we're just going to have a discussion about it. And I'm curious, what is your guys' definition of death? I mean, besides the obvious, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, what is, what? I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm asking you is, um, what does death mean to you? Well, I'm curious, what is the obvious? Well, your life, your life functions ceasing. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, besides, you know, I mean, I mean, okay, so I guess I'll go first. So, <laughs> so uh, for me, uh, death is uh, is a is a is a basically a, another is a doorway into an, into something else. I mean, whether that be consciousness or just um, a transfer of energy or something like that. That's how I see death. It, it's it's not like an end of everything sort of thing. That's how I see it. That's that's kind of that's kind of like what I was talking. That's what I mean by well, that. When when I think about about it, I mean that term death is not just used for, you know, you as a person or a being die and something happens, but I see it as it can be the end of one thing and the beginning of another. You can have a death of something in your life of maybe a certain way of thinking about yourself, a certain way of being, living in a certain place, having a certain job, and then the birth of of the next thing that's that's coming. So I see it also as as that. It can be just the end of one thing which leads to the beginning of another and doesn't necessarily have to do with, you know, your physical death. Hmm. That's yeah. how I think about I it. I can see that. I doubt that we'll talk maybe talk about that a lot, but that when I see it, I see it as either or. Like both are the end of something. Mm. But yet a beginning of something else. And yet a beginning of something else that you can Is see how you your both are lifetime. describing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I will be then, I guess, different and go for the obvious. I feel that death is the end. I, we'll get more into it. You know, I, I wrote some okay, more okay. things. Okay, no, 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 that's fine. I, it, it is the end, and yeah. Sometimes not so in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tra- transferred to another body or something Resurrected, like that. <laughs> you know, it happens. Yeah. 
I I mean I know this is a, this is like this is like the the best subject ever. <laughs> I know that I mean I hope that no one gets any gets an anxiety attack or anything like that for uh for because I know it does I know I know like the okay but I mean it's it, it is a part of of life and in some ways it defines our life because there is some end it doesn't go on forever and we have to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's something that usually in our daily lives we don't think about, but everyone knows it's going to happen. So it's one of those interesting things you know is going to happen, but you don't really tend to to think about it a lot. But but I mean, we'll see what we come up with because maybe it's treated in an interesting way in the next generation. Well, do you, okay, so how do you think uh, death... Okay, so I might as well just say it. So um, how do you think uh, death is actually re- viewed in the 21st century version of Star Trek? I mean, like, Obviously, there. I mean, I, okay. I know I wrote down here says absence of religion, but obviously there's not an absence of religion. I mean, because uh, obviously there are other uh, cultures that have. And I think there are religious people within the Federation. I think it's no, no. That's what I just said. That's what I mean. Yeah, I'm not saying that there isn't a complete absence, but yeah. like there is, there is a feel that there is a complete a- or um, not a complete right. absence. That there is some of an absence, there's somewhat of, of an absence, and I think that's partly because of what we follow. We follow. A starship with explorers that are going out there and maybe they're attracted to it for one reason or another and you're seeing more people that that aren't religious although i, I don't know i i tend to think the, those aren't mutually exclusive and so it would be more realistic if there were some more religious people on the ship but well and i think with tng specifically that your statement makes sense like there's not this religious undertone like, for example, in DS9, right? TNG sort of is the one that's absent of this religion. Yeah, it tends, it tends to be alien cultures outside of the Federation that you see right, espousing some kind of religion on TNG. And oftentimes it can be the Enterprise D can find out the kind of the basis of it. Like in Justice, the Edo God is really seems to be just like an interdimensional being that they can understand in a certain way. So. Right, or who watches the Watchers or Devils Do. Like, there's always yeah. some explanation of why these people are believing this religion. So I think that's sort of where we get this absence feeling yeah. from. So, yeah. Yeah, but but I think you're, you're saying, Richard, that oftentimes how people think about death is tied up with their religious beliefs. And if there isn't as much of that on the next generation, how do people think of it? Yeah, I mean... I, I, so the, okay, so l- let me just backtrack real uh, real quick. So or not backtrack. Let me give some background <laughs> from what I see. What I see it from TNG's uh, eyes. I guess you could call it goggles. TNG goggles. There you go. Uh, <laughs> what it's just like. So obviously, as you've mentioned before, it you know you see more of a religious aspect in DS Nine. You know, obviously, uh, the prophets and all that kind of stuff. So like, whereas T- TNG ha- goes through. If it, it, it's got that, it's got the um, it personifies it personifies <laughs> the utopia feel. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like it like. I mean, it. I, I think it, it largely is that way because of Gene Roddenberry's influence. Oh no! Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Especially the first season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and to to say that there's no. Or there's no real drama between you know characters and and all that kind of stuff where we settled all our differences is you know well it's boring for TV but <laughs> but like I mean it would be nice to have that in our own life but um, <laughs> but like I'm just saying like you know even with religion I mean like there it there's it seems to be absent mm-hmm. 
I mean, maybe that maybe we uh, we just didn't see it. Maybe they do, and they they're just being professionals on a starship. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times we didn't tend to go into people's kind of personal beliefs as much on on TNG. So you didn't see, and certainly didn't see everybody on the ship, <laughs> right? And there are people right. that come from different cultures and different alien races on on the ship. So it probably is there, but we just see it from mostly from how things are for the bridge crew right and so that's that's our 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 lens for it and those and the people that are on the bridge pretty much we don't really get to know of any religious belief that they have and pretty much it seems like you know they have signed up for this service in starfleet they know that death is a possibility it could be dangerous but it seems like they don't think about it too much or they take it in stride although when it does actually happen and I'm thinking particularly of when when Yar dies, like there is a really like strong feeling and sadness about it. So there's still those kinds of things around it. There is, you know, grief and all of those feelings. And even in that episode, Data wonders like, you know, I'm I'm feeling sad about well, he doesn't really say he's sad, but he just kind of wonders because he's thinking more about himself and Picard says that's the right thing it's so that we can kind of reflect on our own lives so you do have that aspect but there isn't the religious element but I think a lot of the rest of it kind of is there you know that sort of leads into sort of again what I feel the meaning of death is like I was raised in a very religious household with all my family and extended family believing all this one thing that Death is a passage of one existence to another. I mean, I'm not going to go into the doctrine at all, but that's sort of the main gist. And as I've, I don't know, gotten older and questioned, like, what does death mean to me? And I just, I don't accept that. Um, I think maybe because I've become more cynical, um, I just feel like death and sort of how we deal with it is really only for the living. So I look at it through that lens, like how do I deal with death in my life? And, you know, there's your typical five stages of like denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But like when I was, you know, doing a little bit of research for that, it was made very clear that it's not this linear process. Like Those are just words that we as the living use to help us overcome and deal with the someone that we've loved, you know, that we've lost, that we can no longer be with, that is out of our control. Like we have no control over this death that we're talking about. And so um, I feel like the meaning of death is like, how does the living deal with it? And so I sort of come at it from that perspective. Yeah, because I think a lot of what you see is that people's reaction to someone they're close to when they die is kind of missing their their presence or being sad that they'll never see that person again. So I think a lot of the the reflection that happens, I mean, it really is something that is for those who are, are still alive to kind of reflect on a person and what they meant to them and their community and to the world. And then to also as a way to kind of reflect on your own life. I mean, like I, um, my wife is part of like a large family here in El Paso. And, you know, unfortunately, people do die from time to time. So I've been to, unfortunately, like a lot of, of funerals. And like every time you go to something like that, it just makes you reflect like, 
okay, when the time comes for me, have I done what I really needed to do here? Have I been the best person that I could be? And also if it's someone you're close to reflecting on the experience with them and hoping that you can provide, you know, a really, I don't know, um, some great things to, to the world. So it, it always does have me reflect kind of on my own life and how I'm living it and how I can possibly make it better. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely, uh, I, I see where you guys are coming from. Um, you know, Amy, I actually was in the same boat until up until recently, uh, when my grandmother, uh, unfortunately passed away two years ago. So, um, but like, no, I, I, I mean, there was a point in time where I actually I thought of death as, you know, it's not going to happen. You know, I'm I, maybe I'm twenty some odd years old. Ten years ago, that is <laughs> <laughs> not now. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm twenty something years old. I got the world right in front of me, and and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, Iraq happened, and friggin', you know, I was like, oh, it was like, oh, this really could. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that I should be thinking about something like that. And then when obviously nothing happened to me in, um, you know, I've had a couple of buddies, uh, uh, well, fortunately injured, not killed. So, um, we didn't lose anyone out there. We did lose injuries due to injuries, but, but thankfully we, no one died, but like, you know, it really didn't hit me hard or like hard until my great, my step, my straight, uh, step grandfather passed away. And now, mind you, just a little background, no one has died in my family since 1991, literally. Oh, wow. Uh, November 20th? No, 21st. 21st uh, was when my great-grandmother died. And that was, yeah, that was like 91. So, you know, obviously, you know, talking about death or anything like that in the family was non-existent because no one died um, in that time frame. So um, up until, like I said, my grandmother died and and my step-grandfather died, um, you know, they both died. He died four years ago. She died, yeah. Or I'm sorry, he died three years ago. She died two years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, honestly, there was a point in time where I actually uh, didn't, I mean, I, I, I saw it just like you did, um, Amy. Um, I, I don't want to say converted because I, I don't think it's conversion. No. <laughs> but like. Just a change of thought. It is. It is a change of thought. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a. It's a very moving thought. <sighs> you know, I. I never thought about it as a kid. It was not something that my parents talked to me about. You know what I mean? Like it was not something like yeah. we would talk about or something like that. But unfortunately, my my daughter has been um, had to deal with uh, three deaths in the family. Obviously, she never met my grandma. My my grandmother, her great grandmother, and then she also had a caretaker that passed away. And I always told her that, you know, if you don't, if you don't forget them, they will truly never die. Mm -hmm. Where's that from? It's trivia time. I know I've, (laughs) I've, I've heard that, but. It's from, it's, it's from a Star Trek movie and it's the end. Oh, it's probably Star Trek two then. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) When, when Spock died and they, you know, launched his body. Mm. Yeah. On, onto the um yeah so but anyway. don't worry he'll be back in the next one yeah <laughs> well yeah it's not like we knew that then <laughs> of course <laughs> when of course it came out but I I come into it with hindsight never having like not known that that would happen but right yeah right and that's what I always tell her is like you know no one truly dies unless you forget them and you know you always gotta keep them in your heart and your brain too and that's and I love that line in Star Trek and I 
always use it with her and it's it's just and it comforts her and yeah it kind of comforts me too so <laughs> but yeah serious talk right <laughs> yeah I, I i so i'm just kind of curious is there something you've been thinking about recently that that got this thought in in your mind to talk about this topic <laughs> uh no not really no okay not really um it was just something that um uh, well, actually, what started was actually marriage in TNG, um, mm. and then I was like, well, why don't we talk about death as well? I mean, I don't think we ever talked about death. It was something that I was talking to a friend of mine at a bar. We were talking about um, we we're, we were talking about the uh, could the utopia world of TNG now? Now, mind you, this was after four shots of tequila <laughs> and I don't know how many beers, <laughs> so. You know, so, you know, it was one of those kind of talks, you know what I mean? Like, and we're, and it just, it it ended up in Star Wars and yeah, anyway, but, um, (laughs) but like, yeah, we started talking about marriage and, uh, and stuff like that because my brother's wedding's coming up and, and it was just something that, um, that, that just came up. So, I mean, Hmm. yeah, no. No reason. I mean, I do have anxiety, but that's not the point. <laughs> so as as we've been talking, Worf's story and Worf's belief really is jumping and just like screaming in my head. Very good point, because he is the one that really has the religious belief. Yeah. Well, and he's the one that, you know, goes off and is trying to summon, you know, I, the spirit Kalis. of Kalis, you know, that's and true, yeah. because... They and Stovico and, you know, they definitely have this belief that death is, as you guys said, just another, you know, passage into a different realm. And, you know, and so it's very evident that Worf believes that. And then I was thinking, gosh, I don't know, do other characters have or have we seen on screen any you know, evidence that they believe that death is just a passing of one existence into another. What, Klingons? No, besides uh, the Klingons. I mean, the one I was thinking about, like if you're talking about if there's another, let's say just TNG, I mean, Ro mentions the Bajoran death chant, but we don't really get into maybe even in DS9 what they think happens afterwards. Do they, Richard? I mean, we see one in Voyager too. I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's Voyager. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about Voyager. <laughs> but, yeah, but there's crossover between some of that stuff. But, right. but like, especially in TNG, it really is the Klingon belief that you see the most as far as death and going to Stovokor and right and and all of that. And they have you know this death howl, like trying to warn the Black Fleet that that someone is is coming to cross the River of Blood. You know, it's very dramatic imagery, right? And of course, Worf has to deal with death even on tng like oh, kalar's death right yes mm-hmm. and he really like in that episode reunion when alexander's there he's like you know look and see what death is it's really important for him that his son know like this is something that happens and this is what it's like so that's probably the most dramatic place that we that we see that of course it happens in ds9 too Worf is really not very fortunate when it comes to yeah to yeah. people around him is he don't date him. <laughs> that should be the rule. Don't date Worf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because everyone dies. Well, oh. Troy does briefly and she survives, but uh, it's not, not as serious as Kalar or, or Jadzia. Yeah, well, but. okay, so don't 
don't get married to him. Yes, that's there. The, you go. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the kicker. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you 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 do get to see that, and yeah, I mean, we really don't see much in terms of now. Like, a, I think an interesting example is, I, I guess it's not really whether you pass into another world, but I, I think of of Half a Life, where you know Timison is part of this civilization where they actually say when you reach age 60, you have to die. And there must be this ceremony or whatever that we don't see. But it's not too often that you actually see much discussion of of death and what it means. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some other examples we could come up with, but it's not like a frequent occurrence, is it, in TNG? No, not in TNG, no, uh-uh. And I'm glad you bring that episode up because, I mean, there's, I mean, me personally, I don't think that's a ritual. I think that's population control. Or at least that's They've how ritualized I see it. it, though. It becomes this whole ceremony well, exactly. and no, all no, that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it probably started out as population control, you know, so it doesn't go completely out of control as in like what it is going on here, you know? I mean, it's possible that it started out like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of an external you know, force on, of death, not letting it, you know, happen naturally. Like that death was specifically for the living. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, uh, on your outline mentioned Troy with man of the people and how they had to kill her, you know, again, to serve this purpose, to get, uh, acorns, energy out of her you know like so there that you definitely have seen that death is being used for a purpose by the living you know and in those two examples at least when you said acorns i was thinking like she had a bag full of acorns <laughs> of her. oh so i was like uh, acorns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i mean that's interesting when you're talking about for a purpose for for the living because if you think about i don't know i guess if you think about Something like what happens to, I don't know how you, how I would think about it. I think of Lal and Data, and I know, Richard, you think to a certain extent those aren't really deaths because you could bring them back in some way. But for everyone that's there, I think that's how they feel about it. But but I think that was natural. That wasn't caused, her death wasn't caused because of something. No, you know, but for, for Data it was. He chose to sacrifice himself for Picard, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah, was the, kind of the purpose behind it, but it's not too often in TNG you even see that that kind of sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. I think you see it Mm-mm. more often in other parts of Star Trek. Yeah, hmm. Hmm. we're contemplating. Yeah. <laughs> we are contemplating. I think one that's that's interesting is is Jeremy Astor. I think it is when his mother dies and he's trying like not to mourn and i think part of the reason was behind that was gene roddenberry actually had this idea that that people wouldn't really mourn or grieve in the 24th century which is kind of weird and contradicted by what happens to tasha but but i mean what do you think about that idea that people would actually just like okay someone's died and they don't really like mourn or grieve them it seems completely unrealistic at least for humans but well absolutely it is it is ridiculous and i hope that in a 24th century version of us would have some kind of an emotion or at least be able to control it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, not to the point where you don't feel at all. Cause I mean, we're our, I mean, what defines us is our, you know, I mean, what defines our, the moments in our head is, you know, our emotions that we have with it and, and just how we feel. And it, it's just, 
to to say that we could be robots and just not feel anything i mean to me that's a boring existence to not have feelings uh, feelings like that i mean don't get me wrong i mean mourning someone especially as traumatic as your family or anything like that is horrible but the other side of that coin is the happiness and joy that you get with being with your family at the same time yeah yeah but but i mean we do have kind of the opposite example in star trek the vulcans try to suppress those things and it doesn't make sense for them to grieve or mourn death right at least from their their perspective they try not mm-hmm. to show those kinds of things because they have such strong emotions so i mean in star trek it's like okay there are some that do that but humans maybe are different or others are different right well i think uh on this subject i think two episodes really come to mind of the offspring or sorry that's lol um dark page and the bonding and I think those are two examples. So Dark Page is the one where Lwaxana, as you're saying, has suppressed these emotions of losing her daughter, Kestra, Troy's sister. Right. Yeah. And we have Jeremy Astor in The Bonding where he is, you know, trying to not feel these feelings of losing his mother and, and is going to mimic data and say, okay, I don't have feelings. And that's, both of those. No, it, I think I, I think that's hero worship where. Oh, hero worship. Data. Yes, so, Dark Page and Hero Worship, where Timothy tries to uh, suppress his feelings of loss because he lost his parents, and he tries to mimic Data because Data doesn't have any feelings. Like, both of those uh, episodes are really fine examples of, you know, trying to to not deal with your feelings, just push them down, and and we can see in Dark Page, like how traumatic that is for Lwaxana, especially after her entire life, not even discussing or or talking about Kestra. And, you know, and here we have cute little Timothy trying to imitate Data, and it just doesn't work, you know, and he finally works through these feelings of loss. And so I think you're right. There's there's definitely something that we need to look at with death. And although it's very sad, but like you're saying, Richard, like the opposite of enjoy the time that you have while you're alive with them. And that's what, and again, as you said, Richard, like if you don't forget them, they really will still be a part of you in your life. And their influence is going to be just as real, you know, from your memory of them. Well, I think your memory of them helps to to keep their, them alive in that way, but it's not the same. No, it's not, but they still can have an influence on you if you choose to remember oh, yeah. them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's, that's a, it's a good point. There are those episodes where it's like people, humans are just trying to to suppress things. Well, in Loxana's case, she's Betazoid. But anyway, someone is trying to suppress their feelings and it has to come out at a certain point. I mean, that's a good thing for us to to remember as well, because I think sometimes, you know, you might feel like I need to just like stay strong with this and keep like keep going with my life the way it is. But eventually, you're going to need to express that we are emotional beings and we need to express those things or it hurts us in other ways. So I think those are good lessons that those those episodes give. Yeah. Mm hmm. Very much so. Yeah. But then going back to Jeremy Astor, 
In the bonding. <laughs> in the bonding. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. You sure? <laughs> you know, and I think there was a little bit of denial. You know, he was told, you know, your mother, you know, was killed in this away mission. Yeah. And he's very stoic. He's like, yes. okay. It's yeah. Like, and that's why family should not be on the ship. There you go. <laughs> the kids did not sign up for Starfleet. <laughs> No, yeah. I'm just I'm just messing. No, what a great way to show that uh, how to how to how to deal and cope, you know. And then you know, obviously, you know, it, it can't work for him. He can't be a he can't be an android or he can't be data. There mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> you know, his whole life and not be able to deal with it because uh, you know, I mean, eventually you're gonna have to br- uh, break down and actually, you know, deal with it. Unfortunately, so. Which is the hard thing to do. And I do want to mention that it is Troy who helps Timothy to realize and go through the grief. And she is a great counselor. It is. I, oh. I agree with you as Richard rolls his eyes. But yes. Hard. Is right. <laughs> I I was actually waiting for it. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> She's the hero of every TNG episode. You don't know that? <laughs> uh, so I... I I have a question for you that I'm interested in because I think sometimes when, you know, there are different deaths that happen in TNG, sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's more major characters. Is there any particular death that happens in TNG, whether the series or the movies that you wish had not happened and why? Or did happen? Not that you are happy happened, but (laughs) you wish that it had not happened and why? I have my choice, but I will wait to see what you guys say. Wait, wait, wait! Can the can the person be alive after, or or can they just die? Or and then that's no, they it. just like die and that's it. Oh wait, am I misunderstanding the question? So, no, I'm t- I was saying like you know someone re- like they come back alive after like oh I see I see like, yeah oh. like Wesley okay which <laughs> so I wish that Kalar did not die. I really, 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 I mean, Susie Plaxon is amazing, but to have that, I think it would have changed. I mean, obviously Alexander made him a better person that didn't have to deal with all the crap that he did from his father. And I I think it really could have worked. And I, I really, that is the one, when you asked that question, that was the first one to pop into my mind. Same for me. Yeah. What about you, Richard? I hate you both. Oh. <laughs> Was that your choice as well? Yeah. See, yeah. she's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's such a it's it, it's it's such an emotional freaking like scene. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, and I I mean I don't know. I mean, okay. Let, let, all right. Uh, so. I don't know what what the 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 exact thought pro- process was for the writers and everything. I can um, tell you what I what scene. I've heard about it, but yeah. No, I mean, like, as in, like, you know... I I don't know if it's true, but I had read that it was Michael Dorn's idea for Kalar to come back and for for her to die (laughs) as something for Worf to get revenge on Duras. I think that's what it was. It's unfortunate if that's true. Can that be my favorite death? (laughs) Duras. Duras (laughs) is your favorite, yeah. It's a jerk, but uh, but yeah, yeah, okay. So we all feel Kalar. I'm interested, listeners, if if there was some other choice that you have, somebody that died that you really wish hadn't, and maybe I'll just open it up to. It could be somebody that came back later, but at the time that it happened, you really wish it didn't. 
You know, and I'm still one of those, I think might be a minority of, I really think that Data's death was purposeful. And even when you ask that question, I, I mean, I would love to see Data again, but he was not the one that popped into my mind, even though he was the, you know, a main character, you know? Mm-hmm. And even over Tasha Yar, I mean, she was a main character for the first season and I would rather see Kalar come, you know, not be killed than either of those. Yeah, because I think I think what gets you about what happens to Kalar is it seems like it takes away some of the meaning of her life and that her death just becomes an instrument for Worf to take his revenge. Whereas Data, he was really sacrificing himself for Picard. And Tasha Yar, it was just one of those things that happened, just like all of a sudden, someone just just dies because dangerous things happen in space. I, I mean, I think actually... Like out of all the deaths that happened in the next generation, the first time I saw it, that was probably the most shocking because I was like, no, she's going to be fine, right? No, she's dead. You know, like that was totally shocking that they that they actually did that. But, you know, it, it at least it wasn't something that was just like in the service of some other character. It was just really to say like bad things can happen just when you least expect it. So still sad. Well, I was going to say, it's like... um uh, the first time I actually ever saw that, I, it, oh, so FYI, I had a huge ass crush on Tasha Yar. Okay, <laughs> when when it first came out, uh, when you know TNG first came out, were you out. shaking your fist at the screen? You killed my crush. <laughs> no, I was more like, oh, <laughs> right. you killed her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, but when they when they killed her off, I was like, oh, Aww. really? Yeah. <laughs> It was the worst thing ever. I was like, "Oh my god!" Okay, so the, I'm gonna change my answer. There you go. There, uh, it was actually Tasha Yar. If 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 this was like, you know, ten year old me, yes. <laughs> so you know, it, that would be the actual worst. Uh, because like it was because like she was like one of my favorites. You know, she's lean. She's uh, you know, she's got that got that '80s haircut and everything, and and all that. You know, whatever. She's the security hell it was, officer. You know. She's tough. Yeah. She's, she, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's just mm. yeah, uh, they, and they <laughs> killed her. Yeah, I know. She's that in a bag of Doritos. <laughs> well, I mean that that that's the one though that if that hadn't happened, probably would have had the biggest impact on on the series if you would have seen Yar going forward, especially with what was going behind the scenes, which was basically they made this dumb decision that they had to you know lose a woman on the show and and Denise Crosby wanted to leave, but if it hadn't been her. You know, Marina Sirtis thinks it would have been Troy that would have had to leave. That I mean, like, that would have had a big imp- that. That's I think the death that had the biggest impact on the future course of the show. A lot of things would have changed <laughs> if that hadn't happened, right? We can't even go down that what if. Don't just stop right oh, there. Oh come we on! We are not. I'm putting an end. Oh. The death of this train of thought is happening oh. now. Okay. Okay. So so here's a, here's a different alternative. <laughs> Troy is still on the show, and Yar is still on the show. It would still be a lot of differences. And yeah. and then yeah. Crusher dies or something. Like no, that? no, no. Let's just say that yeah. they didn't have this thing behind the scene where they felt like for whatever reason they needed to 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 lose a woman from the cast. If that didn't happen, and you know, Denise Crosby was happy with it and went forward as Yar and Troy was there as well. I mean, it would have been different. Like, yeah, we would be talking absolutely. about some of the Yar episodes in seasons two to seven. You know, like, what would that be like? I don't know. But that's Come the. Come on, Amy. 
<laughs> live life on the edge. <laughs> we'll say that Troy continues. But like that, so, I mean, but if you do that thought experiment, that's kind of like what happens when someone you're close to dies. You think like, they're not going to experience this or that. And like, if they were still here, certain things would be different. I mean, I know it's probably not the best well, to do that. I mean, what for if sure, game, but... Worf. <laughs> yeah. Well, for sure, Worf would never be the uh, the the breakout character that he that he obviously uh, turned into. Right. I mean, I yeah. don't know what he would have, or maybe Michael Dorn would have gotten bored and left. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and that would have a gigantic impact across TNG and DS9 and, and DS9, the movies yes. and all that. Like. You could change. You could kill off Crusher, and he could be the uh, the chief medical officer. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh yes! Uh. <laughs> I can't even imagine him as a counselor, but oh my gosh, uh, like a like you could imagine the pain sticks and all that kind of stuff that he'll have in that uh, in that medical bay. <laughs> Oh wait, is that wishful thinking? Oh, That's sorry. funny. I don't know, but if you like the idea of Klingon doctors, the uh, IKS Gorkon Klingon Empire books have a a chief medical officer who's a Klingon, and it's awesome. So hmm. I can't imagine it being more than ten pages. <laughs> no, seriously, Klingon, these uh, Klingon doctors aren't good. Well, but she battles against like these other doctors who basically don't even care about <laughs> about. Uh, uh, about saving their patients. Anyway, it's it's really mm. it's really interesting. But like, Worf would have had to have some crash medical training. Uh, maybe he took a few courses like Tom Paris, and he could be brought up to speed. I don't know. But no, that's a weird thought. So, but but yeah, like that one thing that happened would have had like this big impact, huge ramifications. Yeah. So one thing, Richard, that you had on your outline was uh, in lower decks, and I was like. There's no death in lower decks. Uh, Cedo Jaxa. So I recently, yeah. just last <laughs> night, I watched the episode. I I really, and I I know that I enjoyed the episode, but the whole time I was watching it going, what is going to happen next? I could not remember <laughs> even anything, the premise about what was going on. And then, and I <laughs> messaged Justin and I'm like, there's no death in lower decks. What's going on? And so, Cedo Jackson, like, I did not even remember that death, but it, obviously you remembered it. And Justin, you had said that it was impactful to you. Like, yeah. what made you remember Cedo Jackson? Well, I mean, I think first of all, I mean, it's a, it's a very unusual episode in, in following these lower decks characters, but also you get to see... Cedo, who is someone that you actually saw before in the first duty as one of the cadets with Wesley that was trying to cover all this stuff up about an accident. But you get to see her again. And and I love her as a character. I mean, I guess I love Bajoran characters anyway, because I love Ro and Kira and all that. But I, I, I think she's really interesting because she's trying to kind of redeem herself and Picard gives her this really hard time, but it's really just testing her. And it just feels like just from that episode, it's building out so much more of of the character. And then, you know, she goes on this really dangerous mission and dies. I mean, I, I always cry because it's like, oh, it's so sad because there's so much potential for this character, but the character is gone. Although I should say, I think there is uh, something in maybe one of the comics or something that she didn't really die. But according to the episode, really, like that's the implication. She went on this dangerous mission and she was killed. 
So it's it. I mean, what makes that really sad for for me is that you're really getting to know and like love the character, and then her life is cut short, and she's really young. I mean, she's just like right out of the academy, right? So for for me, that's what makes it impactful, and why I, I kind of always remember that, and I'm always sad about that. I mean, it it also gets at something that you know, like in in the next generation, you have someone like Cedo who dies and. You know, she's she's very young and her career gets cut short. And then you also have someone like Nuni and Sung who dies, but he's like incredibly old, right? Do we feel differently about, I mean, I think in real life we do sometimes feel differently about deaths that happen when someone's young versus when someone's older because there's so much of life that someone hasn't lived yet versus you expect someone to, you know, live to an old age and, and die. But does that how affect how we see some of the deaths in TNG as well? Well, the reason why I actually uh, the reason why I put her on the outline was it because of her character was actually more about Picard than anyone else. Oh, only because to have that burden to uh, send someone off to basically to their deaths, you know, and to have that kind of regret, you know what I mean? Like, it, and I, I'm I'm sure. I mean, obviously, we saw in the ending episode, he he, you know, peers through the window and you know, and is in deep thought and really doesn't his. His him not saying anything um, was was far more impactful if he said anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and her death, and basically he was given her that second chance. And well, after obviously she volunteered for it, and he, you know, if you've seen the episode Lower Decks, then yeah, you know the drama behind it. But like what I'm saying is, is that he. Obviously, it, uh, giving her that second chance, you know, to me, I mean, to me, it feels like that he was doing. Like he regretted it. I mean, he absolutely regretted, it, but it was for the mission. But I mean, at to what point does it, you know, do, does that let uh, do you let that bother you? I mean, I mean, it's I mean, as a commander, as you know, as a, as a mentor, yeah, and even someone and to give her a second chance. So I mean, it's interesting you mentioned about second chances because it also it doesn't have to deal do with like a physical death. But it also reminds me, you know, later in the season of Preemptive Strike, because Roe has been given this second chance over the course of like a couple of years and betrays Picard. And that's another yeah. scene at the end where he's just like speechless. He just doesn't even know what to do. And it is kind of the death of that relationship or him thinking that he could do something about that. But I think it's interesting you saw it in that light, because I've always seen it in, in the light of how sad it is that you know, Cito, Cito isn't able to kind of live to her true potential and, and keep going. But it is, a, I think that is one of the episodes where you do really see a big impact on Picard. Like my decision led to someone's death because he's kind of choosing, I mean, yes, she volunteers for it, but he kind of chooses her because he sees some potential there. He could have chosen someone else. And that's quite a heavy decision. There wasn't anyone else on board that was Bajoran, right? I don't think so. That's think true, but the they can one. surgically alter someone, right? I mean, no, it's possible. Yeah. They've done it before. They even do it to Riker later. But I, I do feel like he sees something in her and he wants to nurture that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a heavy decision also because over the course of the show, you know, we do see things happen and decisions that get made and things that Picard really can't you know, do anything about, like, let's say Q who where 18 people just die all of a sudden, and there's like nothing he can do about it. There's all of these like heavy decisions that, that can lead to death or him feeling like I can't do anything about this situation. Yeah. Oh, that's really something. A little in, in something inside of him dies a little bit. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. Just a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Well, back to your question, Justin, when you were asking, like, you know, the age of someone, if that matters and how we feel. And when you were talking, I don't know why, but... Uh, and you'll have to help me with the name, but Susie Plaxon is in it, um, Dr. Solar, and they go to the planet and the old man, he's trying to cheat death, right? He's trying to get out of dying and transfer all of his knowledge and his brain and he thinks his personality into this machine, but then here comes Data beaming down and so uses Data. What was the name of that episode? The Schizoid Man. Yes, The Schizoid Man. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking, so, I mean, for him to die, like he definitely had lived a very long life, but then that got me thinking about, well, have we seen other characters try and cheat death? And then that got me thinking about the, again, you'll have to help me with the episode where the, they, the enterprise comes across the uh, 20th century and they were the the neutral zone. Yeah. The neutral zone. And they were trying to cheat death by being frozen and then awaken at a later time. And I thought, gosh, that's right there. Two examples of people who, or, you know, this idea of trying to cheat death. I mean, it, it, it's, it's an interesting question. It is something that I was thinking of as, as our discussion, because we think like it's a natural thing that you're going to die someday. It's just going to happen, right? But there are, you know, lots of places in sci-fi and different parts in Star Trek where people are like, well, I want to live a lot longer, or potentially live forever, right? And you know, what if it would be possible to be able to transfer your consciousness in some way into another body, like an android body, and just like keep doing that, a succession of that, to effectively kind of live forever? That would totally change like how you think about life, I think. But but you do see that. Yeah, I think Ira Graves in that episode is like, well, I don't really want to die. I'm just going to transfer my consciousness over here and I can keep going, you know? I mean, that's I don't know, maybe some sort of possibility in the future. That would just be, to me, I feel like that would be just bizarre. Like, I want to live a long time, but I don't want to have the prospect of living forever because I think in a certain way, in order for life to really have meaning, there needs to be, I don't know, some kind of boundary set to it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're not as motivated to to do certain things or to care about certain things. Like, in a certain way, we do what we do because of the urgency of you won't live forever, right? Yeah. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you really, but there is also, I think, sometimes this sadness to think, like, oh, there'll be a time when I'm not here and I won't be able to enjoy this and that about life and all of that. And there may be a desire if it's, you know, possible in some way for people to do that. But I don't think that I would really want that. There, there should be some kind of restriction, I think, in order to make it meaningful. Yeah, it's the antithesis, right? Life and death. And so it's going to make life that much more meaningful because there's this opposites in all things. Hmm. That's very deep. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, Amy. Not being sarcastic. I like, actually like Thank it. You. <laughs> so, you know, I, and not, you know, come to think of it, you know, like you were saying, like, obviously we see celebrities die, you know, whether they be young or, 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 or old and, you know, Mm-hmm. But I, I I see it, you know, and uh, yeah, you know one of the, one of the conversations I always have with with people that I uh, in my family and and my wife too is like you know you hear about these older people it's like you know they, it's sad but at the same time you know they done some remarkable stuff I mean come on I mean yeah, yeah. I, I I mean to be I mean it's it, it's sad that it happens but I, I mean it's just the way it is and then where there are others you know. 
Um, th- you know, the only one I can think of is Brittany Murphy. Is <laughs> the only one I can think of. And I think she died at, what, 35, I think she was, from a, ha- a heart, in- whatever, something to do with her heart. But, like, you know, um, and I loved her as an actress. I really did. Um, and it, But she died really young. And it's just, you know, but at the same time, you know, she did some great work that I will never forget. And I mean, just like just like what we what we just been talking about. I mean, if there is no uh, set boundary to uh, to your life, and there's no real meaning, uh, there's no there's no meaning to really life. I mean, if the, I mean, if you're living for a thousand years, well, right, yeah. I mean, that that th- that's true. Although, I mean, I I do often wish that it wasn't the case that. There are so many people that that die young and don't really get a chance to really live out their their life. I think that's that's it's a really sad thing. I mean, the when I was in high school, one of my my classmates actually died in a car accident, and I can tell you that was one of the saddest funerals I've ever been to because it's just yeah. I mean, it makes me sad just to think about it because someone who has only lived like 16 or 17 years not getting to live out their life is is a sad thing. So I think in in our own world it does make a difference whereas if somebody lives to be like 95 and they've had a really full life it's like okay, you know, it's kind of their time. So, but but I just wonder in Star Trek because you do see it sometimes it's someone who's young, sometimes someone who's older if it really affects them differently. I don't know. I don't know if we really see that. Not really. I don't I don't think no. Because I mean, it makes it not 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 that that it's wrong or anything like that. But I'm just saying, like, it makes it sound like you know, no matter whose death it is, it's all equal, as in like importance and all that kind of stuff. It's not of equal importance in the next generation because sometimes you don't even know the names of the people that die. But you know, like red shirt number six six two five or something like that. <laughs> I mean, the TNG equivalent of red shirts are the people who you don't even see on. I mean, I mean seriously, like in Q Who, when it's like eighteen people died, we have no idea who yeah. they were. We didn't even see them. There was just a section that was carried mm-hmm. away, right? So it's very much like at a, at a distance. They're not really of equal importance. And you don't see like a funeral for those 18 people at the end. It's like, shoot, we got bigger things to deal with is kind of the attitude. And I mean, right, because like the Borger, this big thing. But like, I mean, unfortunately, I think in storytelling that can happen sometimes like, oh, man, 18 people died. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, it's like they, they're in such peril. They have to move on to the next thing. But in real life, it's, it's different, hopefully. But, yeah, you just see them in the credits. As as uh, um, of who died? They're like little miniatures. I mean, like that 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 thing where they they kind of slice out the part. They actually created like a miniature for that that would kind of pop up out of the saucer section, and it had I think like little figures, like little people in it. So. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and look at that because I don't think I remember seeing it's that. It's so cool. It's on the DVD. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I remember seeing that. <laughs> Yeah, they actually built this little thing that'll just kind of pop I know, out. No, I remember yeah. it popped out, but I don't remember seeing figures. Is what they is had what I'm little furniture. Yeah, I don't think there I was any yeah, humans, I, I but the little that, yeah. furniture. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, let us take a moment of silence for the 18 people that died in Kuhu. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and we we're can't back. have an actual like minute of silence. <laughs> I know everyone would be turn off. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, not to make too much light of it, but like, I mean, unfortunately, they aren't in some ways of equal importance, right? And and that's how kind of it is in life. Like, if it's somebody who's like a distant relative or something, it's not going to maybe mean as much as a connection to someone you're really close to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of 
unfortunately natural to to feel that there's some difference based on your closeness. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an uplifting note we can end on here, or is it? Uh... Um, I don't think we can. Yeah, <laughs> not on <laughs> death. <laughs> well, we lived through the episode. That's we the did. Note. We did. Yeah. Oh, but this is a really interesting discussion. I mean, obviously, we can go a lot further than that. But I mean, uh, yeah. Final thoughts, Justin. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. When you proposed this topic, I was like, death and TNG. That sounds pretty depressing. But it's not something we focused on, and I was like seeing what we can talk about. And I think there's a lot of great things that we talked about, experiences in in our own life, what it means within the next generation, what it means in the context of whether it's tied up with with religious belief and and you know some of some of the things that happened in TNG where deaths were kind of meaningful or affected us a lot. So I think we had a a, a great discussion. I actually didn't know where it was going to lead, <laughs> but I think it led to some really interesting places. And listeners, I hope that you really enjoyed what we had to talk about. Amy? Yeah, it was very interesting to think about um, and pull out some of the episodes. And I mean, I don't, I didn't keep count of how many episodes that we referenced, but there's quite a bit in there um, that we were, you know, pulling from and talking about. And I think it is a very interesting discussion. It is a part of life and how we deal with death. And I think TNG did a pretty okay job in showing different ways that we can view death. I mean, from the trivial of the, you know, so many, 17 people from Q who 18. 18. Oh, so I'm so sorry from, you know, the trivial deaths of 18 people, although I know it's not trivial, don't send hate mail. Um, but to the important deaths of Tasha Yar, Data, Kalar, you know, it's just, and it is important in how we deal with the emotions of losing and, and what do we feel death is and what does it mean to us in our lives. And I think it means different things to different people depending on who you've lost in your life. You know, I fortunately have only lost grandparents. I haven't lost a brother or sister and, oh my gosh, thank goodness, not a parent Um, So I'm sure that my definition and meaning of death is going to change when it becomes more impactful, you know, and personal in my life. So um, I I think it is definitely something that evolves and it changes throughout our lives. So Hmm. that's a good point. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And and to uh, piggyback off uh, uh, basically what Amy was saying, my final thoughts is that, you know, I, I... you know, like I said, this this uh, subject came up as a, a bar conversation, and and obviously here we are talking about it on, on Earl Grey. But like, um, it's just it, it's a teachable moment, and you know, like you said, you know, depending on how close the, uh, close the the person the person is, um, you know, it really does. I mean, I, I like I said, I had I had no real context to go off of because I wasn't grow- I wasn't brought up in a religious setting. And it was more like a hmm. <laughs> sort of uh, sort of like setting. So I mean, but when I started losing family members, it it, it was very it, it 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 molded my train of thought um, in a certain direction. And um, you know, it's you know something that I, I I it's a teachable moment for my daughter, and that's how I see a good portion of what I do. So. Um, and especially in TNG, because I've 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 discussed several times with her, and yes, thankfully uh, because of Star Trek, 
<laughs> I have been able to formulate great ideas and great lessons thanks to Star Trek. So even though TNG didn't really do a great, you know, superb job, but at least now my daughter and I uh, roar when someone freaking dies. Mm, see, it gets you talking. <laughs> there you go. It does. It does. And that's the key to getting over it, too. Or not getting over it, grieving. Not get over. Yes. <laughs> so, a preview of next episode. Justin, I am on the edge of my seat. What are we doing? Yeah, um, actually, we're going off of a listener suggestion from a while back. Uh, listener Stefan Ringlein um, had asked us kind of a what-if question. What would Section 31 have looked like if it was introduced in TNG? And what episodes might contain traces of Section 31? And he gave an example of the Pegasus, which I think is an interesting one. So I, I thought that would be something good to talk about, especially because we're seeing Section 31 in Discovery. And I have always had a certain, I know it's not everyone's favorite, but I've always had a certain fascination with Section 31 to the point of reading all the novels that involve them. Uh, so I, I thought it would be an interesting discussion for us to think about what they would have been like if they were introduced in TNG instead of DS9. And also if there are kind of traces of them that we could kind of infer from different parts of, of TNG. So I think we're going to have a good discussion on that. Outstanding. I can't wait. Are you excited, Amy? Yeah. Uh, this topic sort of took me by surprise because, you know, I am <laughs> talking a lot about discovery. And so I am very interested to see how much TNG we can pull into it. Cause I'm always, you know, discoveries always callbacks to TOS and I'm like, come on, call back to TNG. So it's going to be interesting to see what we can pull out. You mean or call, for, yeah, I was call, say call forward? Well, to you know what I mean. <laughs> I was talking release dates, not timeline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. It's okay. We're just a fan of the term call forward. I think yeah. it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You just named the episode. <laughs> oh, no. You could use that. Yeah, that that's right. You're, you're ending. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, I can't wait. I'm excited. I actually got a couple ideas. I got a couple things for it too. So I can't wait either. Nice. I know you're a fan, so that'll be fun. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been so much fun, quote unquote fun, measuring our coffins. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Warp 5. Well, and I feel like a side quest could be finding more spheres and gathering intelligence from each one. And each one has like a different way you have to get into them and a different thing you have to collect. Right, or yeah, or they're, they're cloaked differently. Yeah. Or, each one, you know, each yeah, one is I, in, individual. Earl Grey. Because, like, the DNA transformation. What? Where's the DNA coming from that's being transformed? You know, I, I, it's like I a mean, replicator. Yeah, and I think that again, <laughs> no, the, the the yeah, but I mean, again, the explanation that it's an advanced Genesis device kind of makes me buy mm, it more. Okay, yeah, but it, it just felt a little weird. The DNA thing. It just look, it looks like some. Hey, we need. Can somebody just throw some leaves on the bridge? You know, but. You know, I think it's a really cool concept. the The snakes in the, in the uh, torpedo. Was it the torpedo. I, I, for some it, at that moment, I thought this is the Halloween three of Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> 
to the journey. That's that's a really good point, Suzanne. We need to clarify because when we're talking about Chakotay and Seven, some of the best romantic scenes are not actually with Chakotay. They're with hologram Chakotay. Yes. I would like to meet hologram Chakotay. He seems nice. You want to date with holographic Chakotay. Okay. <laughs> if I had a holodeck, you know I'd be programming that in right now. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Saru finally realizes at some point he's seeing its language in ultraviolet light. Basically, Morse code. I don't know why they don't say that wording. Oh, you thought there. Morse code? Because I was yes. thinking binary. I, that makes sense, yeah. too. But isn't binary kind of a version of Morse code? Because Morse, Morse code is a type of binary language. Because all it is is beeps and not beeps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. And I'll just add here, if you've listened this far, thank you. And if you have listened this far, drop us a comment as to how you listened to Earl Grey. Which of those methods we'd be interested to know. Baby, pop quiz. Oh, man, I had one too. Okay, so go. Okay, what is your happiest moment in TNG? The happiest moment. Oh, and you, you know the answer to that. you cannot say the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh, the happiest moment. Uh, like what, for you, not, not the character, you. I know, like what makes me happy? Yeah. Yeah, what makes you smile when you see it? I mean, it. Not, wait, wait, since we're talking about death and everything, yeah. we might as well have something uplifting. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's when you said that and then I got to thinking and I have, I know you can't see it, but I have on my um, wall uh, pictures of my TNG that I have from the DVD. So it shows all the characters in their different season looks. And I was just looking at that and what makes me happy. I just get chills seriously. And it's been 30 years. Every time the theme song comes and you see Star Trek in blue and just oh. the beginning of an episode. And I, I almost regret that Netflix is like skip intro because that introductory music just da, 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 like it just makes me so happy. And I love my TNG. Oh, okay. If that music makes you so happy, the motion picture no, must make you so happy because that's where it came from. <laughs> it, it confuses my brain. I'm like, what is this music? These are not my Picard and Troy and Riker. No, this is confusing me. I know. When I first saw TNG, I actually hadn't seen the motion picture. And then I was like, oh, this comes from I something know. else. Yeah. So that music will always be TNG. I'm sorry, Standard Orbit okay. and other TOS lovers. <laughs> that's what I grew up on. And for me, it is always... Picard, Riker, and Data. Okay. Okay. All right. Right on. All right. Cool. That's awesome. You're next, uh, Justin. But here we go. Before well, we makes, do that. Oh. We, oh, a different question? You don't want me to answer the same question? Oh, yeah. I was going to do another question on the next one. But okay. You can do You can do it. Go ahead. Yeah, what, your happiest moment. Oh, in all of TNG. Let me think about that. 
See, I know it's hard. It's tough. I mean, it's tough because there's so much of it, but I, I, no, that's what makes me cry the most. Um, let me see what makes me the happiest. <laughs> is it a um, happy cry? It is. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it before when we talked about first contact character moments, but it's, it's that, you know, first contact with the Vulcans, but probably the, but it's probably right after that that makes me the happiest maybe in all of of Star Trek, it's really seeing that happen and then the Enterprise-E kind of streak off into the future and then the music that plays afterwards. Every time I see First Contact, I'm just like so happy afterwards because of the experience. So it's probably that. Richard, what's your happiest? Uh, When is my, what is my happiest? I think we already talked about it when Worf kills Duras, right? (laughs) That's my favorite death, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's actually when Alexander, I can't remember the episode name, uh, but when Alexander and Worf actually bond at that sword ceremony. Oh, is that, wait, I need to think about the episode title. Is it, no, that's not, I always confuse it with Bloodlines, but it's not Bloodlines. Oh, I can't remember. It's season it's, seven, wait, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, he, so. Fe- is that the one with future Alexander? Yes, it's a, it's a future Alexander who tries to kill uh, kill himself because oh, he's yes. just getting mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah. I love that episode. I really do because you know finally we get to see Worf as a good, yeah. well, attempt of a good father. Uh, <laughs> but like finally okay. we get to see him as that, and you know as but first firstborn, firstborn, firstborn. yes, yeah. firstborn. Also has quark in it. Quark. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, Riker, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but they, collects on a debt. But anyway, but yeah, yeah you know, I, just that moment that he's father, their father and son, at the at, at sharing something that they like and everything, and I absolutely love that. I, it's you know, I love that whole story of Alexander and Worf. So I really well, the, not the abusive side, the the, the good part, the actual good yes. side. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well on on today's show, and there are many ways you can do that. The best place is to join the larger conversation in the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, do your head bob, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come up right away. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. And listeners, thank you so much for those of you who take the time to send us emails. We've been getting some, and they're just a delight to read, and we really do appreciate you emailing us. It's so nice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it really, really it brightens our yep. day. I don't know. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not contemplating the meaning of life? I don't know. I seem to contemplate that a lot. And now I'm going to contemplate the meaning of death more. Thank you, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm not doing either of those things, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my season seven rewatch of The Next Generation and lots of other Star Trek stuff. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So Richard, we only alluded to this a little bit, but where can people contact you when you're not celebrating Wesley's death, like in the episode Hide and Q? 
Oh, you know, streamers, parties, toilet paper all around. Yeah, <laughs> having a great time. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, when I'm not doing that, uh, you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And you can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is xransom. Amy, where can people contact you when you're not being happy that Troy didn't die permanently in Man of the People? Not being happy. <laughs> wait, 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 what? She, well, she's happy that Troy didn't yeah. die permanently. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. When I'm not doing go. that, you can catch <laughs> me here on the network where I am on a couple shows. The Edge main show, which talks about Star Trek Discovery and doing postcards from The Edge. And thanks to Justin, who did an amazing job filling in for oh, me. Really, thank you. truly. Um, that's the, here on the network, you can catch me on Fandom Podcast Network, where we talk Discovery and the Orville on Discoville with my good friends, Haley Stodder, Kyle Wagner, and Kevin Reitzel. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, where today I posted, we had snow in Vegas. It's um, amazing. I couldn't even believe it. That's really it, something, um, yeah. And not just the twinkle. It was built up of snow. That I've never seen it. And you can catch me there on the Babel Conference. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. And here's hoping that you'll become an associate producer of Earl Grey at the $25 a month level. I challenge a listener to do that because we haven't had a new one for a while. But any amount of support you can provide a dollar and up is very much appreciated. So again, you can find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, we would like to take this opportunity to thank and recognize our current associate producers, and maybe your name could be on the list next time. They are Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Things are only impossible until they're not. Ha-ha! Today is a good day to die! (laughs) That's why you wanted to do this episode! Yeah, that's you.